A reading from the book of the prophet Daniel. I, Daniel, found my spirit anguished within its covering of flesh, and I was terrified by the visions of my mind. I approached one of those present, and I asked him what all this meant in truth. In answer, he made known to me the meaning of things. These four great beasts stand for four kingdoms, which shall arise on the earth. But the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingship to possess it forever and ever. But I wish to make certain about the fourth beast, so very terrible and different from the others, devouring and crushing with its own iron teeth and bronze claws and trampling with his feet what was left. About the 10 horns on his head and the other one that sprang up, before which three horns fell. About the horn with the eyes and the mouth that spoke arrogantly, which appeared greater than its fellows. For as I watched, that horn made war against the holy ones and was victorious until the ancient one arrived. Judgment was pronounced in favor of the holy ones of the Most High. And the time came when the holy ones possessed the kingdom. He answered me thus, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, different from all the others. It shall devour the whole earth, beat it down and crush it. The 10 horns shall be the, the 10 kings rising out of that kingdom another shall rise up after them, different from those before him, who shall lay low three kings. He shall speak against the Most High and oppress the holy ones of the Most High, thinking to change the feast days and the law. They shall be handed over to him for a year, two years, and a half year. But when the court is convened and his power is taken away, by final and absolute destruction, the kingship and dominion and majesty of all the kingdoms under the heavens shall be given to the holy people of the Most High, whose kingdom shall be everlasting. All dominions shall serve and obey him. The word of the Lord. Give glory and eternal praise to him. You sons of men, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. O Israel, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. Priest of the Lord, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. Servants of the Lord, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. Spirits and souls of the just, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. Holy men of humble heart, bless the Lord. Praise and exalt him above all forever. Give 
at all times and pray that you may have the strength to stand before the Son of Man. Alleluia, 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 Dominus vobiscum. Lectio Sancti Evangelii secundum Lucam. Jesus said to his disciples, Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. And that day catch you by surprise like a trap. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times. And pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent. And to stand before the Son of Man. Verbum Domini. It was on May 13th, 1981, Pope St. John Paul II had addressed the faithful gathered at the piazza in front of St. Peter's Basilica and was going through the crowds when a professional assassin's gun fired two bullets, Ali Adka, one just barely missing one of his main arteries. And he was rushed to the hospital and thanks be to God, he survived. It was just a few months later on August 15, 1981, that he made his first public appearance. August 15, 1981, it's a special day for us here. It's when we launched, when Mother launched this network. It was a few months later after that, 
on the one-year anniversary of the assassination attempt that he visited Fatima in thanksgiving for his survival. In fact, he would say it was a mother's hand that guided the bullet's path and permitted that the dying pope stopped on the threshold of death. And what did he say when he was at Fatima in his homily that day? He based his homily on the Gospel of John 19, where Jesus says to his mother, Behold your son. And how the disciple then, John, took her into his home. And he said, and that she was, uh, she became at that moment our child too. Became her child too. He said, Mother's Maryhood in our regard is manifested in a particular way in the places where she meets us, her dwelling places, places in which a special presence of the mother's felt. And he said, this can be something as simple as a little shrine you have in your own home, where you go and you, maybe you pray the rosary, or roadside shrines, which you see in Europe that people would set up as devotional places. As they're going along the path, they could stop, they could say a prayer to Our Lady. But he said, however, in certain places, the mother's presence is felt in a particularly vivid way. These places sometimes radiate their light over a great distance and draw people from afar. Their radiance may extend over a diocese, a whole nation, or at times over several countries and even continents. These places are the Marian sanctuaries or shrines. But here's what he says. In all these places, that unique testament of the crucified Lord is wonderfully actual, actualized. So Jesus on the cross says to us, as he said to John, behold your mother. And that she is told, behold your son. In them, man feels that he is entrusted and confided to Mary. He goes there in order to be with her, as with his mother. He opens his heart to her and speak to, speaks to her about everything. He takes her to his own home. That is to say, he brings her into all his problems which at times are difficult, his own problems and those of others, the problems of the family, of societies, of nations, and of the whole of humanity. Something we can do today on this first Saturday, entrusting our hearts to Mary, the problems of all humanity today. And we're going to be praying the first Saturday rosary at the conclusion of this live mass this morning. So stay with us and pray this rosary, entrusting to Our Lady's heart all of your problems, the problems that humanity faces today, which are many and difficult. 
But then he speaks about his own reason for coming to Fatima on the one-year anniversary of the assassination attempt. And so I come here today because on this very day last year, in St. Peter's Square in Rome, the attempt on the Pope's life was made. And a mysterious coincidence with the anniversary of the first anniversary of Fatima, which, would, which occurred on May 13, 1917. I seem to recognize in the coincidence of the dates a special call to come to this place. And so today I'm here. I have come in order to thank divine providence in this place which the mother of God seems to have chosen in a particular way. And then he quotes Lamentations, through God's mercy we were spared. I have come especially in order to confess here the glory of God himself. Blessed be the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. It was then, just two years later, almost three years later, that he visits the prison to visit the man who had tried to assassinate him, Ali Adka. And the first thing that Ali Adka said to him when he visited him, so why aren't you dead? And maybe he didn't say it with that kind of, <laughs> I think it was more like, so why aren't you dead? It was more like that, so why aren't you dead? Because he was a professional assassin. And so the Pope talked to him about the faith he talked about him about Fatima, and Ali Adka became anxious because he was afraid this lady of Fatima might come after him. And he was right, but not in the way that he thought. <laughs> it wasn't for his demise, but rather to reveal her son Jesus to him. And that's what the Pope brought was, he said, his mercy, the mercy of God. And it seems to have had an effect because in 2014, he actually visited the Pope's tomb in the Vatican. But this story that I begin with on this first Saturday also illustrates something important about our readings today. There's something greater than the kingdoms of this world. Daniel is terrified by the visions that he has in his mind and as I mentioned uh, earlier this week, that as we come to the end of the liturgical year, this is the last day of the liturgical year, we begin Advent with uh, this evening's vigil. On this last day we've been reading, or last week we've been reading through the book of the prophet Daniel because he's speaking about the last things. And he has this terrifying vision of these horrible kingdoms that are going to bring so much oppression and desolation. But then what happens, he says that they made war on the holy ones. And they were victorious until the ancient one arrived. The ancient one. And we heard yesterday, Daniel chapter 7. This is also Daniel chapter 7, the following verses. That John has his, Daniel has his vision, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. 
And he received dominion, glory, and kingship, an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingdom shall not be destroyed. And this parallels the vision that, or this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had that Daniel interpreted with this statue and the four types of materials that the statue was made up of, pointing to the four kingdoms, the four kingdoms, the Babylonian kingdom, represented by the lion with the wings, and then the Medes and the Persians, which were unequal, and that they were joined, and it was like this lopsided bear. And then there was this leopard with four wings and four heads. And this was the Greek, Alexander the Great, and the Greeks that so swiftly seemed to conquer the whole world. And as Alexander's dying, he divides it up before, between his four generals. But then there's this most oppressive one, the Romans. And it's during this time, the statue in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar sees this stone that wasn't hewn by human hands that destroys this statue and becomes this great mountain. And Daniel in chapter 7, he sees one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion is for, forever. And so this is a reminder to us as we come to the end of the liturgical year that ultimately Christ's kingdom will reign forever. And that we're members of his kingdom. And if you're not yet, come. He invites you. He invites you to be baptized, to receive the sacraments, to receive his very life within you, to be united with him in holy communion, to be one with him. And earlier in the gospel that we had today, Jesus is speaking of one like the Son of, that you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. He's referring to himself again. You know, 25 times in Luke's gospel, he refers to himself as the Son of Man. 25 times, including today, be vigilant, pray that you'll have the strength to escape the tribulations, to stand before the Son of Man. And so he is that one that will come again in glory, and his kingdom will be for all ages. And we hear that in Daniel, there is both this one who is going to receive the kingdom, but there's also the holy ones. They too are going to inherit the kingdom. Then it says, um, the kingship and dominion, all the kingdoms under the heavens shall be given to the holy people of the Most High, whose kingdom shall be everlasting. So we're going to share in that kingdom with Christ, who is the King of kings. That's why we can always go forward with hope, because we really do know the future. We don't know all the details. We know that throughout history, there's always been wars, there's been rumors of wars, there's been disasters, there's been persecutions, but there's also been growth in the kingdom. There's also been cities and cultures. I've been studying because I'm preparing to go to Guadalupe next week about these, the Aztec kingdom and some of the horrible things like human sacrifice that were happening. 
But then when Our Lady brings them to Jesus, things change. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. That's the kingdom that we want to belong to, a kingdom of justice and peace. And it's Our Lady who leads us to him, the one that she bore in her womb. And on this first day at Saturday, we honor her. And we remember Pope John Paul II first suffered under the, if you want to say it, the kingdom of the Nazis and the kingdom of the communists. But they didn't prevail. The assassin's bullet didn't prevail. There's something greater. There's something greater here. It's Jesus Christ, who is the King of Kings.